welcome to episode 10 of Positionless. I am, as always, your host, Oliver Maroney, and uh, got a very special guest with me today. Actually, quite a long story. We'll go through it. Um, but first, I want to just mention the presenting sponsors of the show. Uh, first of all, Menlo Club, Menlo House. Go ahead and check them out. Go to menloclub.com. They do uh, just a wonderful job at shipping packages. They've got um, great clothing, wear, uh, you can get shoes, athletic wear, dress wear, whatever you want. They've got it available for you. They do curated packages straight to your door. Go ahead and check them out and use the promo code POSITION to get a discount on your first month subscription. Um, check them out at menloclub.com. Secondly, lineups.com. They've got a ton of really cool analytics and data uh, on sports. Uh, you can go through NFL lineups, uh, NBA lineups. They'll give you all your starting news, uh, the spreads, the lines. So if you're a sports gambler, sports uh, better, go ahead and take a peek at them at lineups.com. And then lastly, Rode Microphones, the uh, best audio equipment in the business, Rode Microphones. Uh, So we'll get into the episode here. I've actually got him in studio, which is rare because a lot of my guests, you know, they... I've got to call them in. They're they're from all over the country. You know, I had Jared Payton, Walter Payton's son on. We've mm-hmm. had uh, a number of different Jamel Hill from ESPN. People like, or well, the Atlantic now, but ESPN formerly. Um, but people like that. So Matt Sheldon, uh, a former teammate of mine, a long, long time ago, like <laughs> back in the day, back way in back. the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, man, how how's it? How are things going, man? You're doing all sorts of different things right now. Yeah, everything's going great. I mean, can't complain. I. Uh, been in off season right now, so I'm back in Portland, just kind of with the family for Christmas. But training, trying to get a pro contract for 2019, just keeping up with the YouTube, social media, all that stuff. But yeah, it's, it's been going great. So the the YouTube and social media stuff, I it, I didn't it didn't really hit me that you were doing this stuff until like a couple of years ago. I think maybe we're Facebook friends or something like that. I followed you on Instagram, and I'm like, what is what, what happened to Shelly? This like, you know. <laughs> I don't know, we were 12, 13, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, I was trying to say, like 12 like or 13 that. years old yeah. that we were playing together, yeah. <laughs> so how did this all start? Like, how did the YouTube page start? Um, yeah, so basically, I dropped out of college back in 2014. I was like, down at UC Davis playing Division One college soccer, and I just knew I was playing with the San Jose Earthquakes U23 team, and I was playing, I was just doing doing really well for myself at this. Yeah. And then so I was like, okay, I want to go play pro. Dropped out, um, went out to like Iceland and tried with different teams and kept on getting like rejected and failing, like failing over and over again. Um, and but then I finally got kind of like brought into the Vancouver Whitecaps two preseason. And that was like my first kind of stroke of success that I had. Um, ended up getting cut again, went down to uh, Sacramento Republic where I was there and kind of got invited to stay there for the rest of the season as like a training player. Cool. And so I had like zero income, just they were paying for my expenses. I was doing coaching <laughs> on the side. And I knew that, like, I wanted to get in coaching after my career. I knew I wasn't going to become, like, a millionaire playing professional soccer. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I should start doing some coaching, um, maybe going online with it to reach a broader, you know, more scalable. Yeah. And then it kind of turned from coaching. And then once I started continuing with my career, going over to Germany and doing other stuff, it turned into more of, all right, let's just follow my kind of career. Let's follow what I, my daily life, the yeah. diets, the workouts, the training. And it just kind of progressed over the years into that. Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I... I, I, first of all, uh, props to you for continuing to get through stuff like this, because for me, like, I think we were talking about it earlier. I played one college soccer year and pretty much was like, this is way too much for me. Like it took the love out of the game for me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people at some point in time reach that point where they're just like, you know what? Enough is enough. Like I need to try something else. I need to do something else. But 
like like I said, props to you yeah. for being able to just like <laughs> continually go through it because it is a grind. It is not easy, especially if you're not the top, what, point zero 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 one percent the mm-hmm. Messi's, the Ronaldo's, the kids who've been in youth academies for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, now, that's exactly what I wanted to show was like, even when you do make it to the pro level, yeah. like what you just said, it's not playing soccer for fun anymore. You know, it's your job. <laughs> it's a grind. You're, there's so much like we just talked about before we even started recording. There's so much behind the scenes work. Yeah. That's just work, you know, contacting your agents, keeping in contact with them, reaching out and cold calling email or uh, coaches and pro teams and scouts. And it's just like, is this fun? Getting rejected over and over again. And you're like, is this fun? Like, yeah. But my like, I don't know. I think it's just I've always would rather have done that and continued on with that versus trying to do something else. <laughs> I always say, I don't know if I'm just stupid and just keep on going with it yeah. or if I just really, really love it. But it, it's just funny, but it is a grind. It's a huge grind. So where did the, I, I don't think I've asked you this. And, you know, we were teammates for, for people who don't know, we were teammates for like three years, maybe something like that. Yeah. I don't remember four years. I don't know. And you were, you're was, younger than us, right? You were pushed up. Is that, is that? No, right? no. no. You were your Well, no, were you, so, I don't know. I, I guess um, I think I was. I think I was the same age. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure everybody was the same age. Yeah. W- what year did you graduate high school? 2011. Okay. Yeah. So it must have been the same. Yeah. Same age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think what happened is I came in like a year after the team was formed, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I was a late ad. Like I remember trying out at like a bunch of different clubs. Actually, th- this is like way before. You know, this isn't professional soccer. This is just club soccer yeah. we're talking about here, and. Um, you know, I was at a point in like rec soccer where I just felt like I loved the game more than everybody else. And why was I, you know, playing the same minutes as somebody who really didn't want to be there and things like that. So I wanted to step it up. And, you know, my parents were like, look, this is what I'm, this is, if you want to do this, you have to show us that you want to do it. So I I paid my way for a lot of the things Uh, They, you know, they look, do this around the house, do this around the house, Mm -hmm. and then you can pay for your tryout fee or pay for your club fees or things like that. Um, and I just remember getting rejected by like three or four different clubs in Portland. And then for whatever reason, uh, so my father knew Bernie Fagan, mm-hmm. who's Portland guy. He's a Portland soccer guy. If anybody knows him, you know, British guy, my father's from, uh, England. And I just remember trying out with, you were already there, you know, a bunch of other players were there. I remember trying out and thinking to myself, like this team's way better than all the other teams that I've tried out for. Like, really? I, Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, we were really good, I thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of the players went on to play college soccer or mm-hmm. do really good things. I think, like, actually, I think I was looking back, actually, last night because I knew we were going to do this, and I saw the all-city first-team PIL list, like the senior and junior years uh-huh. for us. And I was on it, you were on it, and, like, three other of our teammates were yeah, on it. So yeah. it's like, wow, that's, that's a pretty good crop of kids, you know? Like, yeah. we did a pretty good job. But, yeah, I remember trying out and being like, there's no way I'm making this team. I walked away. I was like, I'm not making it. And then that night I got a call and they're like, yeah, we'd like you to be an alternate player to start out with. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, like players leave club soccer all the time and a couple of players left, I think. And I ended up stepping into the fold. It was great. I mean, that, that was a, that, that experience playing with, you know, a lot of really good players. This is a long time ago, obviously, but mm-hmm. still that experience I always uh, enjoyed. And obviously our coach was great. Um, I think that helped out a lot, but yeah, so that's how Matt and I, for listeners out there know each other. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, that's funny. Cause I, I full on remember you coming in and like trialing and being like, yeah. And then joining the team and like, it's just crazy, you know, like the memories, like going all the way back there. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 you know, it's interesting. Soccer, 
especially in Portland, it's a pretty small community. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think m most soccer players know each other in some way, shape, or form, have played mm -hmm. against each other. It's not a big enough city to where it's like, you know, you're going across town all the time or you don't know someone. I think a lot of the times you run into people that, you, that you've played with or played yeah. against because there's, there's not 500 clubs here. There's probably 15. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. But I, I think I, I never asked you this question before. Uh, how'd you get into soccer to begin with? Like, where, where did that start? <laughs> I came from the most American family that you can, you could possibly come from, yeah. you know, you, your family's English. So you probably soccer is probably sure. huge growing up, you yeah. know, but for me, it was, we're going to play baseball, American football and basketball. Those are yeah. my sports and basketball was the main one, but I was tiny going from like, I'd say pretty much until like 13 years old. That's like, I was just tiny and, and you were skinny. I remember, super skinny, I remember yeah. a coach like commenting, like, yeah, you were really scrawny. What was that, Eddie? Got, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie. What do you yeah, always yeah. say? He would say like, um, yeah, but he would say so many funny things. You're slow as molasses. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Kick like my Quit grandmother. Mickey Mouse. And... Mickey Mouse. That was a big one. Um, but yeah, I was super skinny and and tiny. My my parents were like, "There's no way he's going to American football. There's no way he's gonna die." <laughs> and so my dad was like, "Okay, well, let's just put him in the other sport. Let's keep him active, which was yeah. soccer." My dad knew nothing about soccer. Didn't even know really how to play it, but just put me in there. And I, I don't know if I had like a natural, I think I was just athletic, you know, and yeah. uh, compared to a lot of the other kids at recreational level, I've been playing sports my whole life. So running around kind of just came natural, like yeah. as the sports kind of did for me. Um, definitely wasn't talented at soccer, but I just was like more of a natural athlete and I just loved it. I loved the running around. I loved it. Um, I was like pushed up to the upper, the first grade team I remember and like just playing there. And then, uh, just because it did recreation, had no idea what the World Cup was, had no idea what EPL was or anybody, yeah. nothing. Just played it because I liked it. And then at age 11, my mom kind of said, uh, look, do you, I heard about this thing called club soccer. Yeah. At Bridal Miles, a close team. Do you want is, tryouts are today? Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And that's just <laughs> how I did club. It wasn't until I was about like 13, 14. And I think the World Cup around there. Um, I started really watching Ronaldinho, Jogo Bonito, and like yeah. all that stuff. And I, I, that's when I really developed a love for it. But like, I was just American, you know? Yeah. No, I know. I, yeah. And I, that's, it's interesting because I think back and like you were, um, it, it felt like, yeah, you, you were, you had not grown like a lot of the other players yeah. on our team. <laughs> and so, yeah. And I was probably in that same boat. I was pretty scrawny and skinny too, but like, you were specifically a little bit taller mm -hmm. than most people, but your actual stature, it was like yeah. you were a defensive midfielder, but it felt like, you know, you couldn't be that because just how skinny you were. Yeah. I don't know. It was, yeah, I it was remember, weird. you know those Live Strong bands? Yeah. I could, they were too I could small. take one and yeah. I could uh, take the youth one, I think, and roll it all the way up to my shoulder. Yeah. Like, that's how skinny I was. <laughs> like, I could just roll it. I remember that, like, distinctly at, like, that age, doing that. Yeah. No, that, that was a big deal, though, the Live Strong thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was huge back then, yeah. Yeah, so... You go from that, and then obviously you play high school soccer. I'm sure, I I can't remember if we played each other or not. I'm sure we did. I mean, I was at Franklin and Cleveland, so mm -hmm. I, I I'd imagine we did at some yeah. point. But um, what what stepped it up to the next? Like, when did you think, okay, this is actually what I want to do as a living? Honestly, I don't think that happened until I was about 21. Okay. Yeah. So I was after from, high school. Yeah, because it, like I never even like going into high school. I made like the, I had a lot of success my senior year. Yeah. Like junior, I was injured all junior year with like a tore my glute. Okay. Um, sophomore year, I barely got any playing time. I was still way too scrawny and small. Coach, same thing, said, you can't go in there. You're going to get killed. Yeah. Um, freshman year, I was on JV and enjoyed it, but like I didn't see like me go, even going to play college soccer. 
I was just like, yeah, I just want to make varsity. It was always like the next tiny step, you know? Yeah. And then going in like junior year after I rehabbed up from my glute injury, like in the, in the winter, I finally, for the first time, because I was on like the West Side Metro's B team. Yeah. And I finally pushed up to the A team. That was my first time at 17. And I was like, finally, you know, I thought I deserved this for a while. Yeah. And I just was like training super hard. I've been training hard all high school, like on my own, um, doing tons of workouts because I needed to gain weight and everything, yeah. eating a ton of food. And it all kind of like, came together the yeah. summer going into my senior year everything like athletically muscle like technique everything just came together and i went on like kind of i don't know my dad was like you should go try a d1 id camp and for me that shouldn't have i shouldn't have done that you know yeah. realistically it should have happened but my dad was like yeah you know go for it why not so i did it and uc davis started really liking me uh, i did oregon state one at, at first they said no i did another one and they said yeah and then i had a really great senior year of high school um, like we talked about like all PIL and all that stuff. Yeah. And then, um, then another great, like full club season. And, and in the winter, UC Davis and Oregon state and Gonzaga were recruiting me to go play. And I was like, this, I, it was just yeah. crazy. It all came, it felt like in a year, it, it was like an overnight success, but I had been putting in the work, you know, for year after year after year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until 21. That's when I really decided that I want, and that was like my junior year of college when I decided I want to actually play pro. Yeah. yeah. And then, so you play college. Um, how successful were you? I, I didn't really follow your career in college. Mm -hmm. At least I, you know, I, I, I don't. I, th I think college soccer is hard to follow in general, yeah. just because there's not many televised games. And mm -hmm. even back then, we didn't even live stream our games back then. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's not that long ago, really. I mean, mm -hmm. think about it. Yeah, no, it's uh, so. Where? W how was college? How was the college experience for you? And then what? What? Why was your decision to drop out, or what? What, what was that decision like? I really had like the most ideal situation. Like I, I, I say I don't believe in luck, but I do think there is lucky circumstances that happen. You know, if you put yourself, you do everything right, there is such a thing as luck, you know? Yeah. But like I came in and there was five strikers and I was just kind of pushed up as a striker. I'd been kind of playing <laughs> everywhere in the field, center back to center mid to winger. And my coach saw that I was fast. He wanted to put me up top. I was like, okay. And that's kind of American college soccer. You know, you're fast, yeah. put them up top. So I was up there. And then one of the strikers tore like his ACL, unfortunately, the summer coming into the preseason. So he was gone for the whole season. So that right. was one. Um, another one like hurt his groin on like, the second day of preseason. So he was out for like a, a month or so. And then another one was having like a bad conflict, like arguing with the coaches. So the coaches just punished him and put him on the, on the sideline. Yeah. And then that left, there was two strikers left. Where's me and another freshman, yeah. Matt Wiesenfarth. Okay. And the very first game in preseason, we go in there, we play like Cal State East Bay and I had a hat trick and the other guy, Wheezy, uh, Matt Wiesenfarth had a uh, two goals. So we, it was just like instantly. Automatic. And I, and I went into college like, okay, you know, hopefully I can just hold my own in these first couple of <laughs> weeks and hopefully I can, uh, maybe get some playing time my junior and senior year. But I yeah. wanted to be like engineer, math, physics, or something like that. Yeah. And it just went from, like, I just had a lucky that everybody else was kind of injured or out, and I was right place, right time. And then when I got my opportunity, I scored three goals, and I kind of not solidified it, but I played in every game the rest of my career at Davis and had, like, 16, 17 goals. Okay. And, but, yeah, and it definitely, like, I learned getting up there, you know, when you see you're playing against better players, you see what you need to work yeah. on. And, again, all four years I was working on – my first touch and juggling and all the stuff that I needed to work on. But yeah, it was, everything kind of came together really quick and I just kind of took that opportunity and ran with it. So you, well, and you make your own luck. I mean, that's yeah. part of it too. I think uh, a lot of people think that it's just it, luck just happens to happen. I mean, I think it happens for a reason, you mm -hmm. know, 
a lot of times you're making it in some way, shape, or form. You put yourself in a position. Um, but a, a, you know, as a college, as a college coach, I would I could only assume that if two freshmen go out and play the way that you guys did in the first game, what are you going to do? Just not play them anymore? Yeah. I mean, the, the the confidence first of all factor of it, and then secondly hey, they're really young. We can develop these guys, grow these guys, and we can become a better team with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it made a lot of – to me, it makes a lot of sense that that would be the case. What – so when when your decision – when was your decision made to just drop out? Like when was that – well, and I don't really – look, uh, I dropped out too. So yeah. I understand the same <laughs> thing. Like I understand – but the, the connotation, the negative connotation with drop out, mm-hmm. I just don't think it should be there because yeah. uh, it's just not – yeah, you if you see a realistic and better opportunity, you know, to go chase after, sure. I think it's good to. It wasn't dropping out because school was harder and I didn't like it. You know, yeah. same with you. Yeah, it was like I saw an opportunity. I realistically wanted to do it. I thought it was possible, and that's what led me to drop out. You sure. Know? And yeah. so people, yeah, I think listeners, I, I hear a lot of people, oh, you drop out, yeah. and and it's like <laughs> that. Yeah, there's just always this negative tone to it, and to me. It's just not the case for 90% of, it seems like 90% of college students or, or mm-hmm. college athletes in any way, shape, or form. I think a lot of it is just based around circumstances. What What's there, what isn't, uh, what you really want to do. Um, but for you, where did, how did that decision come about? And then uh, I have to know, telling your parents, was that a hard thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, both, my mom was a little like, okay, well, you can go back, right? Sure. And my dad was 100% on board. He was like, look, you. That's cool. Because he, in his life, had been through, he kind of did the thing of t- always taking the safe route, you yeah. know? Always, whether it was like his degree, the first job, and he kind of regretted a lot of not chasing after sports. He was a really good basketball player, probably could have played in college, definitely could have played in college. Um, really good swimmer, golfer, all this stuff. Um, but he just never, he never wanted to take the chance and pursue it. Sure. And he took the safe route of college that was, you know, inexpensive that like the, uh, went to like DeVry, you know, that was inexpensive and yeah. then the job opportunities, he had two job opportunities and instead of taking the more exciting one that he wanted, he went with the more safe engineering route. And then the route that he didn't take kind of blew up and like it was people there made hundreds and, you know, millions of dollars. Yeah. He's like, he always was taking the safe route. And he, he, so he was always pushing to me, look, you only live once, you know, go after your dreams it's going to work out in the end. Worst case scenario, you can stop, come back, go back to school or get a, a, a safe job. Yeah. But you have this opportunity where you have no responsibilities now to go chase it. So I, it was the most ideal situation, you know, growing up and wanting to chase my pro, my dad was like, go for it, go for it, go for it. So it was awesome. Um, but it, the reason, like the, th- the thought process behind it was my junior year, I had my best season. I had like seven goals, I think that season. Um, the San Jose Earthquakes U23 team had recruited me and the other four the, yeah. at that time, Matt Wiesenfarth, both to come play for the team as well as a center back. So we were playing for the San Jose Earthquakes U23 team at a semi-pro level um, and succeeding there. We were both were scoring goals. We're starting. You pay, when you're playing college and then you're also doing that, do you get paid? Is that how that works? No. no. So, like, they do play some pay some players that are, like, kind of, like, already pros they've come back but if like if we would have technically you could have been paid under the table but at this level it was just like look we'll give you an apartment if you want um we'll pay for food yeah living expenses yeah but we never actually got like a paycheck got it um so that helped us keep our eligibility um but yeah so we were there playing it was awesome experience we were playing with other not only the best college players in california and around the, the that southwest area from cal and stanford and all these amazing schools um, but we're also playing with pros that had been like, you know, playing pro and now dropped down the semi-pro level and want to push back up. 
And we were succeeding. You know, I was scoring goals. Matt was scoring goals. Uh, the defender, Ramon, was scoring goals or even doing great back there. And I was like, yeah, look, if these guys have gone playing pro, if these guys are playing at Stanford and going to go in the MLS, like, and I'm starting over them and scoring more goals, why can I go pro? Yeah. So that was like seeing that me being like the leading scorer at San Jose Earthquakes, I kind of clicked back. I was like, oh my God, like I could actually become a pro. It was always like, oh yeah, no, it's not going to happen, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, kind of clicked like, oh, it's possible. And then so then I knew it right after that season. And my coach, the Dana Taylor over there was super like, you know, go after it. Like he was talking to me and all the players in the starting lineup that we could all be pros and really yeah. pushing us to do it. So going into my senior year, I just knew already that like, I was going to drop out. I was just going to follow any opportunity that came up, talk to anybody and just give it a year or two and just see where it took me. How does that process go for you? Like, how, how do you, you get an agent? Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Like, how, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was, I was just as lost as you are going into it. Like after I, I dropped out, so senior season ended, um, I didn't have the, the best season. I had like four goals and just kind of, it was more frustrating. Um, sure. So I was really hoping for like a 10 goal season and then to get in the Cap MLS draft. And, yeah. yeah. And I wanted the MLS draft and I wanted to go that route. Um, but I knew that after not getting 10 goals or doing what I wanted that I probably wasn't going to get drafted. So I was like, I have no idea what to do. I have yeah. no idea. Um, so I talked to my old, you know, San Jose earthquakes coach. I talked to my college coach and just said, told them I wanted to play pro. I wanted to drop out. Yeah. Um, they had any connections, any links. And uh, they were like, yeah, we'll talk around, you know, and they started helping out. And then I kept on reaching out to like Matt. Do you remember Matt Atencio? He, he yeah, was yeah. OSA coach. Yeah. yeah. He was down in the Bay Area. He okay. came to a lot of my games. So I talked to him a lot just to, you know, if he could guide me in any, sure. any way. Just kind of reaching out to as many people as, as I could. Just yeah. kind of like reaching out my network and one lead is going to pop in. Just like any getting a job or anything. anything. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sure you've done all the same sure. stuff. Yeah. Of course. And so I just kind of reached out the, the web and um, every kind of pretty much like out of the 50 leads I, I sent out, probably like 10 were like, oh, yeah, here's a connection. So yeah, then yeah. I contacted, you know, I got put in contact with an agent that wanted to sign me. Um, I got a scout that was scouting me through the season. He contacted me after the game or after the season and said that, yeah, he's he thinks he could get me some stuff. So I was start, slowly started putting stuff together. Got it. And it was like um, I signed with an agent. He got me something in Iceland. Another, the scout got me in contacts with uh, – Portland Timbers too. Got it. And then I got like some, my college coach put me in contact with Sacramento Republic. And so like, that's how you start getting your foot in the door, you know? Yeah. I also did some invite combines with the, again, the San Jose earthquakes, uh, paid for combines in Florida and went to open trials with the Portland Timbers and Vancouver Whitecaps. So again, just kind of reaching out, yeah. doing everything yeah. and hoping that something would work out. What is, I, I, I'm always curious. Um, because I asked, you know, NBA guys and, and other players kind of what their draft process or, or what their workouts are like. What is a combine workout like for you? Is it Was it stressful? Was it worrisome? What, is there just no nerves at that point? It's mm -hmm. kind of behind. Like, what is that What is that atmosphere like and what does it feel like? It's Yeah, it's funny because, like, I, I didn't go to the M full MLS combine. Sure, that would have been, like, really intense. But the other ones, yeah, I mean, you're always, at the very beginning, you're so, you know, butterflies for the whole yeah, week yeah. leading up there. You go on the flight all the way to Florida or wherever, and you got butterflies the whole time. Yeah. Um, in your hotel room by yourself. And all it's, when you're by yourself, you're just thinking, you know, like, oh, this stuff. And it, it's kind of. Always going in your brain. It's really exciting, but it's not fun. You know, yeah. it's really uncomfortable. But something that I'm sure you believe in, too, is, like, you have to be, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Sure. You know? And so it's like, okay, yeah, this is this is what it entails. And I was like, yeah, it's, this is what it entails to be a pro. And you get there, and um, 
it's funny because you're so the worst is when you're lacing up your shoes and everybody's sizing everybody up. Yeah, you know? of course. And you do the normal stuff of like you do like probably a 30 meter dash. It's 30 meters instead of a 40 yard dash. Hmm. Don't know why, but it's 30 meter dash. You know, all these measurables. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And then you just pretty much warm up and play 11 v 11 game. Got it. And it's funny because you, I was, you're so nervous, but then all of a sudden when the game starts, it's kind of like, oh well, this is what I've been doing for 20 years, you know. Sure. So just I'm gonna play exactly how I always played and. And then you start to see like all these other guys around you that you're like hyping up in your head. You're like, oh, they're not as, you know, I'm yeah. just as good or I'm better and all this stuff. So it's, I always think the worst part is from the minute that you leave your house to go to the combine to the minute right before you get that first touch on the ball. Yeah. That's the worst part. But then everything else is, is not that bad. So, yeah. So you do that um, when you're playing uh, 11 v 11. What was your strategy going into it? Was there a methodology to the way that you wanted to play? Simple, smart, like mm -hmm. calm it down? Or did you want to show people something? Because, you know, there's, it's kind of a catch-22, mm -hmm. like, in my opinion. Uh, and as a club coach for, like, younger kids, I always look at, like, okay, is he making mistakes? You know, is he, you know, playing the right ball when he should be? Mm -hmm. Is he moving off the ball? Where is he going to? What are the angles? like? You know, things like that. But... You know, there is something to a player taking on two guys and, like, being like, wow, this guy has something. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, it looks terrible. But if it does work <laughs> out, then, then then it looks really good, you yeah. know? So I think that there's kind of a a balance. But what was your balance going into that? Like, what was your, your philosophy of how you wanted to play? Like, mm. play in a system, kind of show people what you could do, but but also still stick to that system, I yeah. guess? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. Like, um, and I think it's something that you have to think about. You think about in the back of your head yeah. every single time. Yeah. Um, and I always get kind of like 80, 20, you know, do the 80% of the time you're doing the right thing, you know, yeah. like the first time, especially the first ball I always get smart pass, always just, easy. Just easy, get it back to the center yep. back, get it back over here. You know, there's just play, <laughs> get your first touch and then you can, you know, relax and yeah. breathe. And then the second touch, you know, then it's like, always go with your gut. You yeah. know, and that's my big thing is like, sometimes I, I found that when I'm like, okay, I take this guy on next time you get the ball that's when I mess up. But if it's like, if I'm going to get the ball and I see a great opportunity to take him on and I just go with my gut and don't even think about it, that's when I really play better. And I kind of just try to not think and just play. And I also, you know, 80% of the time, do the more smart play, um, be smart, you know, play for one-twos, take on a guy if you need to. And then that 20% of the time, you know, where even since it's a trial and coaches are looking and in a play that normally in a game, maybe you do the safer play or do something, 20% of the time, go for it, you know, yeah. try to take on three guys, try to do that 30 yard shot, you know, Yeah. because, you know, the coaches, if they seeing something they're like, oh, he's, he's trying, they yeah. see something versus kind of like, oh, you know, and I've had that problem before. I've played too safe a lot. Yeah. And coaches are like, your touch looks great. Fitness looks great. Everything looks great. But we just want to see a little bit more. We want to see the extra, <laughs> take more chances. Yeah. So I think 80, 20 rule, you know, got it. That's a good, that, no, that's a really good uh, piece of advice. Cause I, I, you know, there hasn't been a simple answer like that, at least in my mind. Every player will come up to you before the tryout or whatever, and they'll say, hey, what are you looking for? What do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think 80% of the time, you probably want them just doing, playing within the system, yeah. you know? Um, but at the same time, like I said, I mean, it's really hard to distinguish one player from another if they're all just playing within a system. Yeah. You they're know? all doing two-touch stuff. It's like, okay, well, okay. everybody can do touch. Yeah, two -touch. exactly. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is Barcelona, basically. I mean, this yeah. is, <laughs> Messi's getting all the goals, sure, but mm -hmm. there's you know, 10 other players on the pitch that are doing just the same thing, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, it's really interesting. And so you you start playing professionally. Um, take me through, like, going overseas and, like, what that's like because, mm -hmm. you know, that's – I would assume that's 
probably your first time in a yeah. longer form being overseas. Or yeah, being that was like my first away. real time being a grown up and being alone. Sure. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, after you know, I, I was with Sacramento Republic for nine months, and it's funny the the contact I got over in Germany was through Matt Atencio. Okay. Just talking to him, he watched me train at Sacramento Republic. I got in an exhibition game one time. And the entire season, we played against Atlas, the first division team in Mexico. Yeah. And uh, um, he was at the game. Marcus was at the guy. Uh, this other guy was at the game. And uh, I played well, you know, in front of 10,000 people. It was so much. It was awesome. It was like one of the best moments. Um, and he obviously, he was seeing something. He's like, this guy, you know, has the ability to really, really go pro. And so he put me in contact with this German guy who also coaches at the same school that he teaches at. Got it. Um, and his name is Marcus. And Marcus really took me under his wing. He knew he had played like third division, I think, up through the youth system of Germany and came over here to coach. And he watched me play at Sacramento Republic in the games and exhibition games. And he really saw something in me as well. So he kind of just was like, yeah, and just started contacting teams over in Germany for me and said that here, buy your flight over there. I have a guy that you're going to stay with. I, he would be like, text me all the time. This is the, you know, this is the team you're going to go with. Is the car that's going to take you there. He said he did everything, and it was amazing. Um, so he was the reason I went over to Germany. I went over there. I bounced. I went over there in November of 2015, Yeah. and I bounced around. I did like 10 trials all over with different teams with varying levels of success and varying levels of how much welcoming, how, how welcomed I was in the yeah. club because you're taking somebody's job. You know? yeah. um, so I had some really bad experiences with that, some really fun ones, some good ones. Um, but after about two months of that, and we're going into January now, I finally, we get this team and every, and most of the teams were saying like, look, we love you. We really like you. We're, this was in the fifth and fourth division clubs. And they're like, but being a foreigner, it's really hard to get you the work permit. You know, it's hard to sure. get you the visa. You're more expensive, all this stuff. Um, so being a foreigner, you have to be the best player on the team. And yeah. like, you could easily start for us. You could easily play for us, but the money wise is, is not worth it. Worth, yeah. Yeah. Especially since there's just so much talent over in Germany already. Sure. Um, and then finally, in January, I got a uh, uh, a trial with SC Totonio Watsonborn. And I was there. I did really, really well at the trial. Played in the game in this amazing stadium that was pretty, it was pretty awesome in the fourth division. And uh, the coach was like, yeah, I want you. I want to sign you, all this stuff. And this was the end of January, just like when the transfer window was ending and all this stuff. And I was, I was ecstatic. I was over the moon. It was like my yeah. first contract, apartment, all this stuff. And he's like, okay, it was like Friday, just played the game on Wednesday, I did great. And he's just like, okay, yeah, we're going to sign you. He literally said, this is the, how much we're going to pay you. Literally said, this is the apartment you're going to stay in. This is going to be your roommate. Yep. You know, all this stuff. This is our training times. He was so ec ecstatic about me. And then he's like, we're going to call you to the office on Saturday to sign the contract. So I was like crying. I was so happy. You know, yeah, all yeah. that work has been almost a year now of struggling. Yeah, traveling, going all these places, yeah. doing all this stuff, going and, to here and living and, there and, and honestly living like crap. I was and when I was training with Sacramento Republic, I lived in a, on a mattress in my friend's kitchen at, at my at, at college because I had no money. I was <laughs> yeah. living on a mattress. I paid him hundred dollars a month. So finally, I was like, "This is gonna." I finally get an apartment. I was so happy. Saturday comes all Saturday. And I was I literally sat in my room with my phone right there, so I wouldn't miss the call. Um, no call. Don't know why. Don't know what happened. Sunday rolls around, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, I was like, okay, he just, you know, Sunday, I'll bring in, he'll bring yeah. me in Sunday. Uh, I called the coach and he, he goes, hey, Matt. And I was like, no, you know, you just saying. Yeah, no, 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 he's like, not this way. He's like, the sponsor backed out, so we can't get you a contract. And I had like a week until my tourist visa was up and I had to go back. Uh, so I just like, I broke, the whole day, I just stayed in my bed, like I was, I broke down. Um, and then I, he texted me that, that same coach texted me later the day and said, I think I have a team in the sixth division, lower division. 
but they really need it. They want to stay out of relegation. They really need you. Um, and they pretty much, you just need to go and do a two day trial. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, last chance went there again. They, they, it was lower division. So the quality was a little bit lower and I stood out a lot better. They love me. They signed me. And then I basically got my visa like right before my tourist visa ended. Ooh. And, but being over there was like an amazing experience. Loved it. I love Germany. I love my teammates and the play German soccer is so boom, 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 sharp and technical and tactical. Yeah. Um, but you definitely go through those spells of loneliness. You know, I was in an apartment by myself for majority of the day. Interesting. But, yeah, it was a cool experience. So you, uh, they got you an apartment. I'm assuming the sixth division team got you an apartment, stuff mm -hmm. like that too. That's yeah. At that level, it wasn't like they full on leased the apartment, but it was like the manager owned the building and I stayed in the <laughs> attic, you know? Like literally, I couldn't stand up fully to, oh, when, I went to, when I went to when I went pee. When I went pee, I had to sit down when I peed because I couldn't stand up fully. And so it was like it was a fun little apartment. Um, and I same thing, mattresses on the floor, do it, but do grinded it out. Do. Yeah, grinded it out. Yeah. So then you go, you play in Germany. I'm assuming you do pretty well because it is a lower division than what you were expecting to play. Mm -hmm. And and obviously you wowed the fourth division team, and they thought they were gonna get you. Yeah. Um, what what happens from there? Like. You were you said you were there for a while, but what happens after that period? That contract, you know, does it go void? Like, what? How does that work? Yeah. So in in you know you signed in Europe, one year. Yeah, I signed basically till the end of the season because I I yeah. signed in January, January. You know, it goes so, up until June. Yeah. Um. So ended in June, and pretty much exactly what you said. The fourth division team was like, okay, now we want to bring you in. Now we have Got money. It. You know, we want to bring you in for the 2016 2017 season. Got it. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And you get like two weeks break. And again, you know, like I said, like luck, lucky circumstances happen. You have to be in the right place, right time, doing the right things, but stuff happens. And a teammate of mine, Ivan Mirkovich from Sacramento Republic, who I trained with, yeah, he would now played for the Orange County Blues in the same league in the USL. Got it. And he messaged me and he was like, and he, uh, he's like, hey, we really need a right back. Our right back is struggling right now. Are you under contract? What's going on? Can you come down for a trial? Yeah. And this was like, um, more of a professional league than even probably the fourth division. Yeah. And it's a fully pro contract. Everything, every player on the team's a pro versus over in the fourth, fifth, sixth division of Germany, you get like four or five players that are pro and not everybody is not a, like a kind of a semi-pro. Um, so I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And During I, the like, two week period. Yeah. Two weeks. Got it. I told him, I was like, I have two weeks and I yeah. need to be back here. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, come down. So I booked a flight. And, and during that, and this is, <laughs> my family had come over to visit me. Uh, so they came over to watch my very oh, no. last game and we we're going to travel around Italy. So we uh, just got to Italy. I get this text and I, you know, haven't seen my parents for nine months. Haven't seen see my brother later. and sister. And I literally <laughs> gave them a hug, kissed them and said, I got to go. And they were like, what? Like, uh, why? And my girlfriend was going to fly over. We're all going to go around Italy. And I just dipped. I had to go back to California. Wow. When, yeah. So that's like the, the sacrifices, you know, you make. And yeah. it's, it, I think it's worth it. But. It's sacrifices. It yeah, yeah, it's sacrifices. You got to choose. You yeah, can so choose. I went down to California and my trial again went like two weeks and they said they were going to sign me, sign me, but I hadn't got the contract. And then I pretty much, I felt in my gut that like I did really well at the trial and they wanted me. So I told the coaches over in Germany I wasn't going to come back. Got just it. hoping like I was going to get the contract sooner. They weren't going to like, you know, shaft me. On do, do what they did last time. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I kind of like just went with my gut. Like it was telling me I was getting really good feedback from the coaches and the GMs there. And then finally, I think in July 4th, I got my contract, fully pro contract, signed it completely. I made it into the USL and I finished out the rest of the season, started every game, played really well. We got into the semi playoffs of the, of the USL playoffs, playoffs and yeah. uh, just an amazing like season. So I went my with I went with my gut and it worked out there, but it could have been you know bad. Definitely no, yeah. yeah that's oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. that's a lot of stuff. I mean that's a lot of stuff to happen in like two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
what are you doing? What, what's what's the search for you now? I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, actually, let's start with the YouTube thing again, really yeah, quick, yeah, just because yeah. I do, I do, I am curious. I watched <laughs> some of the YouTube clips. I was looking at some of the things that you did. It is unique. Like you're basically analyzing your own game. Yeah. Um, you're doing like. I don't know if you've ever seen like the Kobe Bryant detail thing, mm -hmm. but essentially, you know, Kobe goes through the players in the NBA currently and analyzes their game and says what they're doing good and what they aren't and things like that. Mamba mentality. Yeah. Mamba mentality. I've sure. read that. I, yeah, I love Kobe Bryant's yeah. approach. Yeah. So, so but you're doing it for yourself. Like that's if Kobe Bryant was just narrating Kobe Bryant and like mm -hmm. analyzing his own game. Yeah. Uh, where did you come up with the idea? And then what, how, how did this, it doesn't just, you know, it could be overnight success, yeah. but like, how does, how do you get 300,000, uh, subscribers on YouTube <laughs> I know, over it's a couple of to years? About. Um, yeah, like literally, like I said, it started over back in Sacramento when I yeah. just had nothing. And I was yeah. like, okay, if I can just make something and make a little, I knew you could make some money on YouTube. I knew sure. like if I could reach out to get 10,000 people to watch, I could sell something to a yeah. hundred of them, you know? Cause I was just hustling, grinding, trying to make of course. 10 extra dollars on the weekend so I could get Chipotle. And <laughs> so, so I was just starting it and I really loved, I loved it. I loved being in the camera, even though I was really stiff and awkward in the first couple, sure. first couple of times. I Always really happens. loved it though. I loved the editing. I loved the idea of making a video. I loved, I just really was obsessed with it. So I made the Instagram and I made the YouTube channel and I just started pumping out content, tutorials and drills and, you know, quotes and stuff like that. And slowly but surely, you know, just so slow at the beginning, you know, yeah. it took me nine months to get my first hundred subscribers on YouTube, but I just, I really liked it. And I'd get four comments in a video and I'd just make my day and I'm so excited. And I love interacting with them. Um, just really obsessed with it. And so just kind of started. And then at the same time, people are asking like, oh, where do you, where are you, who are you? You know, <laughs> why are we listening to you? And both negative and positive. So yeah, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm right now, you know, I play D1 soccer. Now I was at training with Sacramento Republic and now I'm over in Germany. Sure. And they're like, can you show us uh, what you have for breakfast? Can you show us your training? Can you show us your workout? Can you show your, like your fitness routine? Can you show us your games? Vlogging your life. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll try a day in the life, even though I did not want to put my life out there. Yeah. But, and, it was, and you know, listening to what I've done, it's been pretty crazy bouncing around and, and it, I thought that at the very least I could look back on it in 10 years and be like, oh yeah, this was my apartment in Germany, you know, sure. this was this. And I just thought at the very least my girlfriend, mom and grandma are going to watch this. And so I just started making these vlogs of literally being like, all right, uh, my hair's all messed up. Like, good morning, guys. Like, here's my breakfast. I'm about to go to the gym. Put the GoPro on, like, random stuff in the gym at, like, 5 a.m. Workout. Did that over. And it, the first one I did got, like, 700 views, which was huge at the time. I was yeah, getting, you like, have 100 subscribers. Yeah. You get 700 views. And I was There's like, obviously oh. some. I was like, wow. Like, the people really, and people were like, I love this. I love Great feedback. The six comments I got it was, like, sure. great feedback. And I really liked doing the vlog. I really liked it. My mom and girlfriend and grandma and family loved it, too. I was like, yeah, I'll keep doing this for the rest of Germany. And I had nobody around me because I was by myself every single day. So I had nobody like even making fun of me, you know, like friends and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I had no negative deterrence. And so I just kept on doing it. And I think another four or five months later, end of June now, six months now, I had like 5,000, 6,000 subscribers. Yeah. And still loving it, learning something new every day. Continued it through Orange County, continued on the off season to show my off season workouts. I would show like, oh, like get someone to record my games, you know, and then do the game analysis stuff. Just yeah. anything that I thought that I would want to watch as a kid. You know, why does a pro take his touch inside? Why is, what's he thinking about that? Or yeah. what, what's he really have for breakfast? Does he have ice cream? You know, stuff yeah. like that. So I just kind of went for it, just showing completely transparent my life, what it's like being a pro, the ups, the downs. I would talk about the negative parts, the great parts. Sure. Um, and people just really love following along with my story. And now 
yeah, gosh, it's like what four years later now, and it's like two hundred and something thousand yeah. subscribers, and it's great, and and still like people are loving it, and there's always the negative stuff that comes along with social media and being of out course. there. But I still am just as, if not even more passionate about it now, making videos, being transparent, showing the real side than I was when I first started. So it's been awesome. So when you're finished playing, that that's yeah. a YouTube coach? Is that, you know, or is it, <laughs> is it actual coaching and then you're analyzing the coaching? Yeah, I think basically that would be something the, like that. Something I like think that'd that, be yeah. intriguing. Because I would want, I think, you know, ideally I'd want like my own little training facility. Sure. You know, have a, a gym and a little futsal court and maybe a turf field, like a half field or something, um, and take a player and take over, you know, this is your diet. This is uh, the workouts we're going to do. Do the gym workouts. Do the training outside. Help him analyze his game. Everything that I did for myself, doing it for them now. Yeah. And then taking the camera and then showing what I'm doing. And then not only promoting my coaching, but showing these kids and their prog uh, progress to go to college soccer whatever or the pro level do. or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So that's going to be the next step. But I want to play for another like I'd say like three years, four years, you know, okay. and then once, but you never know. I could keep going or I could stop tomorrow. Yeah. yeah it's going to just all be in my gut. Like always listen to that. What's the contract situation like now? You know, we were just talking yeah. about it before you got in, but, uh, what, what is the contract situation for you? What's mm -hmm. the plan moving forward? Yeah. So at, <laughs> actually after Orange County, I, that was the most success I've ever had, you know, immediately, literally the day after the season ended in 2016, got a contract for St. Louis FC Second division, you know, great team, yeah. plays in front of 5,000 fans, amazing facilities, like a bigger contract. I was like, I was on top of the world, you know, yeah. so I did off season, went to St. Louis. And then I had one of those seasons where it felt like every single week I had a new injury, you know, ankle sprains, dislocated toes, like little tiny muscle, muscle pulls. And then, yeah. And with injuries, yeah. I mean, everybody knows, but when you get injured once, the likelihood of you getting injured again yeah. on something else, it just happens. Exactly. You know, you, you know, you talk to all these basketball players that are like, Greg yeah. look at Greg Oden. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. It so, happens all the time. And, yeah. and they do build up over time, unless you give it the proper rest, unless you're doing the right routines. And even then, you know, it's, there's mm. nothing like a game. Yeah. yeah. You can play, you can practice, you can practice against your teammates. Your teammates are probably going 90%, mm -hmm. you know, not the full hundred. You're not going in hard for slide tackles, this, that, and the other thing. So I think, yeah, it, it is in soccer specifically. I was talking to Steve, Steve Dakiwani a few weeks ago mm -hmm. about this too. Just really? like, yeah, we, we were we were going back and forth on just the injuries and like how much it frustrated him to mm -hmm. a point of like that that's what made him quit. It yeah. wasn't that he couldn't play anymore. He just couldn't continuously play for four, five, six, seven weeks. It was like one week off, one week on, one week off, one week on, and then it became yeah. and then it became like two days. Uh, or two days on yeah. and like three weeks off and mm -hmm. he and he was just like it's not worth it you know and that and so how do you get through a season like that mm -hmm. well <laughs> it ended up i didn't get through it <laughs> i okay. like i went i was going and going going july you know same thing like literally you know two days on two days off sure. all this stuff july of 2017 um played against this game random movement you know because my body wasn't ready for it wasn't sure. strong because I, I hadn't been playing and i've been in and out of the starting lineup and I felt a weird pain in my lower abs, like groin area, out for the rest of the season. Never got better. Uh, um, ended up getting multiple MRIs, steroid injections, PRP injections, all this stuff. Uh, ended up getting surgery in my abs. And that was like in October of 2017. Took four or five weeks to recover. So I, everything was going on plan. I was ahead of schedule doing all this stuff. And as soon as I started sprinting again, I felt the same pain in my groin. No. More MRIs, more waiting, more waiting. The doctor's like, oh, I'll give it another week, give it another week. And yeah. then uh, they told me I needed another surgery. 
So I got surgery in February on my groin. At this time, the 2018 season's already starting. Yeah. So I every team was complete that was interested in me in the slightest, completely were like, nope, we'll see yeah. you next year. Yeah. You know? So I was like that. I was like, God. So I got the surgery and I got randomly through a connection, another connection, another connection, got linked up to a team in New Zealand. Went down to New Zealand and literally for six months, it was the Steve Zakawani, like where every, you know, you're coming back, I'm feeling good and I get a pain. And then yeah. I have to take a week off and I'm coming back and I roll my ankle and I'm <laughs> rehabbing that. Yep. Same thing again, again. And I thought like at this point, it had been almost a full year of that week on, week off. Sure. Struggling. And I, I was like telling my parents, like, I don't think I'm ever going to be healthy. I think this is my end of my career, all this stuff. And then um, all of a sudden, like it just kept on being strict with the rehab and everything towards around August felt amazing it, everything kind of went away and it just feels strong yeah so now i came back from new zealand i went to, over to tulsa oklahoma was there for six weeks with a usl team the tulsa roughnecks um got some good feedback from there now it's off season again body feels amazing this is like you know the best i felt in like two years now yeah so i'm ecstatic everything you know you have such a new appreciation for training and working out sure Where before i'd be like oh, i don't want to do it now it's like i get to do it i can work out yeah which is a really cool change of mindset and now um still talking to Tulsa, still talking to a few other teams and uh, as well as also teams in Canada, a little bit in Scandinavia and maybe even Asia, like Southeast Asia. Okay. So just kind of same thing as always spreading out your web of contacts yeah. and just whatever the best opportunity that, you know, my gut's telling me I'll go with. So that's this, I haven't signed anything for 2019, but things are definitely in the works, you know? Interesting. Interesting. And how do those conversations it, like take me through a conversation with a team or a potential team? You're going through your agent, obviously. Mm hmm um, what does your agent tell you? Does he just say, hey, this team is interested in you? Yeah. Or is it like, hey, there's this team in Southeast Asia. They've got this coach. This coach says this about you. You know, is it more detailed than just, hey, there's some interest? Yeah, it, it really is anywhere across the board. And, okay. and, and like it, what's different about me versus NBA players, I think. Sure. NBA player, every, there's such a tight-knit community there probably yeah, yeah, that yeah. every single coach knows every player, yeah. you know? Even the bench players be like, yeah, you know of them, you know? Yeah. Versus here especially the lower leagues of professional soccer, you're a ghost. Nobody yeah. knows you. Yeah. Nobody knows you. Even in the USL, and the, if you're playing in the league, only the starters are really known. Sure. So it's all of, it really is so much cold emailing and cold calling and sending yep. your highlight video. And you literally like, I'm, <laughs> I'll be looking at the, uh, I'll look at the team's website, you know, the team I'm interested in Canada. <laughs> I see the coach's name. I take the coach's name. I put it into Google, literally find it sometimes. Oh, there's the email. Get the email. Send it. Here's my highlight video. Here's my CV. Just like a job. Literally just cold calling, cold emailing. And then as well, sometimes, you know, my agent, uh, like my last tryout I just had like a, a month ago, um, which was over in the East Coast. He basically said, this team's interested in you. They want to do your invite only combine. That's it. He's like, book your flight, book your hotel over in the East Coast. Do you do you pay for th that's yeah. That's my Lower other question. Leagues, you pay for everything. You pay for really? everything. And if they like you, sometimes they'll reimburse your flights. Got it. But that's sometimes. Got the it. lower leagues, it's literally everything's out of pocket. So you, it's all investing in yourself. So wow. It's, it's tough. Yeah. That's brutal. Like my yeah. flights over to Iceland, my flights over to Germany, my flights to any, everything has been all out of my pocket, except when I went down to New Zealand, they paid for my flights there and back. But yeah, everything's been out of pocket. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, mm -hmm. that's, man, this is, a, you know, you see it on the outside, obviously. You see like your Instagram or you see the YouTube videos, but you don't really, you know, you don't know the entire story. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's why I do this. And I, I think it's interesting to just hear what what you've gone through, what you've done, how you've done it. Mm -hmm. um, for aspiring young players, for players who want to become professional in some way, shape, or form, 
uh, I guess we'll leave you with this. What is the biggest piece of advice that you'd give to him? I would say, I would definitely say my biggest piece of advice is to not listen to like the critics because that's been huge in my life. I think from like 16 and on, everybody's told me that I can't go play college soccer. Yeah. Go play D1. When I was in college, they're like, you, there's no way you can play for the San Jose Earthquakes. You're going to be on the bench. I was told to not drop out of college. You know, it's stupid. You're going to throw away your life to not go over to Germany to like, these like opportunities. You know, don't buy sure. that ticket over to Iceland. <laughs> and then when I go over to Iceland and get cut and have to pay for my way back, they're like, see, I told you, yeah. you shouldn't be doing this. You know, you're going to ruin your future. Everybody's telling you something, telling you not to do something. And it's just like, you have to always just listen to your gut. And if you really believe that you can go and you really want to go play college soccer or want to do anything, and you think it's practical and realistic for you and you believe you can do it, then go for it, you know, and see what happens. Because you never know. You could be some kid that's on the B team at 16 and then ends up being a pro. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen, you know? Chicken legs. <laughs> chicken legs, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. You know, that's was, what it was. Oh, Shelly with these chicken legs trying to hit a power shot. Can't even get it to the goal. He was funny. I think uh, I'm going to be going out to dinner with him soon. Really? Yeah, and like I think this weekend, like my dad and him always golf together. Oh, okay. Eddie, yeah, so I think yeah. me and Eddie and, and my dad are going to go out to dinner. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. No, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. You know, the story and every everything about it, um, it just is intriguing to me. You know, mm. that's, uh, it's, it, I guess, from my lens of things, to add to what you just said, would it be wise, even if you didn't, you know, even if you didn't necessarily believe that you'd make the team, Going over there to get the experience, mm-hmm. is yeah. that worth it just within itself? I think it's all about, like, I think it's being, like, self-aware about yourself. Like, is that going to be, because if, I think if I was in a situation where it would have financially crippled my family, you know, yeah. and my family was helping out and they were, if I don't, going over this to this, buying this round trip ticket to Iceland would have completely ruined our finances and everything. Or if I think that it wasn't something I truly, really would have valued looking back at when I was 60, I don't think I would. I don't think it's the right thing to do. So I sure. think it's all about w- what you really want to do in your life. And for me, at that point, I was like, yeah, if I go after this and I can just get a dollar from playing soccer, it was going to be worth, worth it. it. So I think those experiences that were or experiences were going to be worth it for me, no matter what happened. Yeah, which is why I think I went. But uh, it might not be worth it for somebody else. You know? Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so where can people find you if they don't know already? Yeah. Um. Uh. I would say become elite. You just Google it. It's on YouTube. Become Elite on Instagram. Um, yeah, just putting out content, all the drills and stuff I post. Literally just transparent what my life is like. So Definitely. Yeah. We'll have to get a training session going sometime. Yeah, be I'd be fun, really yeah. interested. That'd be really fun, for sure. You still play at all? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I, every once in a while. I've, I've, we have a uh, Bevy Cup coming up on January 1st. Bevy Cup is uh, probably... I don't know. I, I'm just... I'm going to be a historian here and just assume. Mm-hmm. Um probably one of the longest running tournaments in Portland. Uh, it's England, Ireland, and Scotland descent. So you have to be, you have to have a family member, or, you know, you have to be born into an English, Irish, yeah. Scottish family. And uh, you play for the team. Um, if you're, if you're a good soccer player in some way, shape or form. So mm-hmm. they have that on January 1st, a round robin tournament. It's outdoors. Okay. And uh, there's a huge cup and it's been going on for like 35 years. Wow. And uh, That's yeah, sick. It's, it's crazy. Longer than the MLS. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's uh, it's really funny and interesting. And they did a whole like documentary on it a few years ago for like one of the news channels or something like that. Just because it is, mm. you know, just it, it, any age. It's re- it's weird. I've been playing since I was like probably 13, I think. And still to this day, like every time for whatever reason, doesn't matter. I could have 
you know, I've played in high school games where there's like a thousand people or whatever, and it's like, this is a big deal. But still to this day, the biggest deal for me is that is playing in that mm-hmm. because it's just my dad's there. You've got family. It's just a different atmosphere. And you've yeah. got these guys who, you know, I grew up uh, being around. You know, yeah. so there, there's 50-year-olds that are still playing. There's 25-year-olds that just got out of college that are mm-hmm. still playing. There's 13-year-olds that are really <laughs> good and play club soccer. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's a unique group where you just have, you know, 18 to 20 Irishmen, Scotsmen, and Englishmen. But, yeah, I'm still playing every once in a while, just trying to keep up, trying to trying to stay in shape when That's I can. That's awesome. Are you kids <laughs> playing soccer? Uh, yeah, my my oldest one is. Uh-huh. So he's three and a half. He plays soccer. He does, like, little kickers and things like that. So he's he loves it. Yeah. yeah, he's he's interested in it. But, that's that's awesome. Yeah. But my whole parenting philosophy and style is like, look, I'm not gonna push anybody into anything. Mm-hmm. You do what you want to do. Yeah. And if that works out, great. Um, and if you want to try something else, let's try something else. You know. So yeah, that's hundred percent. Not gonna be the guy that's gonna be pushing people into sports or forcing them into something. Yeah. Because you you really like we, we talked about like when you were in your when you were in college, you really have to love it in order to go through the part that isn't fun to continue to play. People don't really understand. Look, in high school, I played and was good. I mean, I I was fine. I had scholarship offers at like four or five different places. Mm -hmm. You know, felt like you. Senior year just felt like it hit. Yeah. I was working out all the time, going to the gym twice a day, in the morning and the afternoon, doing whatever I could to get those scholarships and Mm -hmm. like get that opportunity. And then I finally got it. And even when I was just going through like, kind of the open invites and things like that that they invite you to just going through a few of them and you're just sitting there like they're having a sprint they're having us do like all these like very niche things not necessarily like the game that i grew up playing you know Mm -hmm. it's not 11 on 11 all the time it's how fast can you run look at the agility drills look at some of the cone drills things like that shooting Mm -hmm. thing you know very specific instances whereas i just as a player the way I like to play is just put me on a field. Like, let me just play because that's what I enjoy doing. And then as I talked to you about the college game itself, just completely took all the love away. Like it was like, I'm playing, but my keeper's just lumping the ball up the field. Like this I'm running, you know, the purpose for me Mm -hmm. was not there. I was, you know, as a center midfielder, I'm I'm just jogging up and down the field a ton (laughs) and they're going straight through me and not actually. Yeah. That's college. That's college soccer in a nutshell. It is for a lot of teams. For a lot of teams. There's some good teams out there. I mean, Akron's been really good Mm -hmm. at like the way that they play in the style. I know, you know, a couple of players that played for them a while back, you know, Nagby's and Mm -hmm. people like that. And their style is completely different. You know, that's, it's. Uh, and they get frustrated when te- all the other teams play, you know, that like kind of lump the ball mm-hmm. style. Um, so it's interesting. It, it is a dynamic that's interesting. People just, I think they don't understand that, you know. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the times you you aspire to do something and then you don't realize what is actually involved. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I, I think it's, I think even, you know, you work, especially you work so hard and I finally signed that very first professional contract, yeah. fully pro, and you sign it and you're kind of like, now what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like sitting there like, this is what I've been working for for years, yeah. you know? And you don't feel that rush that you feel like you should feel. Yeah. But then I kind of took me a while to realize that it's about the process, you know? you yep. enjoying the process, enjoying that grind of being out and training. Yep. But yeah, the actual, the end game, it's weird. You know, the end game isn't the, the rush that you get. It's, sure. It's the full, every, the day in and day out. And if you don't love the day in and day out, you're not going to keep going for long you know yeah no that's true no it's totally true and i've seen players you know 
uh, NBA guys, you know, they get drafted, they want to go to the NBA, that's all they want to do, and then they get in the NBA, and the best ones, mm-hmm. the, the greats, the players that just make the most of their opportunity are the ones that say, okay, now I want to be an all-star. Yeah. Now I want to be a 10-time all-star. Now mm-hmm. I want to be an MVP. Now I want the max contract. You know, I, a lot of people frown upon, like, the contracts and the, how much the players get paid and how much, you know, money is being doled out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these players, that's their end goal. Like, that, that is that goal. Yeah. There, is a, there is something there. And you always, I think what's important for any player, you, anybody, um, is to always have something to strive for because mm-hmm. if you don't, then you, you were, it's the what now. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. I, I, I'm done. I did what I needed to do. Yeah, it's so. the process of achieving it. It's not there actually. Yeah, it's 100. percent It's striving for the goal. It's not actually accomplishing it. And when you, because as soon as you accomplish it, yeah, like what we just said, it's all about the next. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this has been great, man. This yeah, has no, been it was good awesome. catching up. I mean, it's been a long time. <laughs> Uh, should have done it sooner. I, I I didn't even think to have you on. I was like, you know, this would be a good guest. Like, this is going to be fun. So, mm-hmm. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, this has been another wonderful episode, man. I, this has been really fun. Yeah, no. Thank you. I, I love doing this stuff. So, thank you for having me on. Appreciate cool. it.